you this sort of self-directed when you're on board in Antarctica in a lot of these destinations, as opposed to a strict schedule. I can't tell, Sam, would this be your nightmare of cruising? Welcome back, everybody, to this week's edition of the DCL Duo podcast. And this evening, we're going to return to our roots back to cruising after a little bit of a break. But we are not returning directly to Disney cruising. We're going to take a roundabout path back into cruising with some exciting announcements that came out recently from Adventures by Disney that they are starting into the expedition cruising market with some cruising to both the Arctic and the Galapagos Islands. And so we reached out and found a wonderful guest who has experience both with expedition cruising, but also with the cruise line that Adventures by Disney is going to be using for some of these expedition cruises. And so let us start, as always, by welcoming our guest, John, to the show. Welcome, John. Hi, Brian. Hi, Sam. Hi, thanks for coming. We're so excited to chat with you. Yeah, it's great to uh, be talking travel again, even if it is from our homes and we've been on our couches for a while, but it's great to anticipate getting back out there. Absolutely. It will make it all the sweeter the first time we are back, I think, on board. So, well, John, we love to start our show with our guest background. And I should have said up front for everybody, the reason John is such a fantastic guest to have on board is not only because he has a lot of experience in this space, but also because John writes about this space. So he is a contributor to Quirky Cruises, which, or Quirky Cruise, I should say, quirkycruise.com, which you'll recall we had a guest on our show, Heidi from Quirky Cruise, talking about small ship cruising. And John also has his own travel blog, In the Loop Travel, and contributes to many other publications like Cruise Critics. So John is a prolific cruise and travel writer. And so we're looking forward to hearing his experiences. John, let's start with your background. How did you, where did you fall in love with cruising? And do you have any experience with Disney Cruise Line, that sort of stuff? Well, uh, it's it's been about 10 years I've been writing about cruising, but I've been cruising for about 20 years and fell in love with the, the method of taking a vacation and traveling. And you just can pack so much into, I'm sure all your listeners know this, uh, you can get to all the destinations, everything's on board, it's just great, the entertainment, the food, the excursions, and just a great way to see the world at a fairly affordable, all-in-one sort of pricing structure. So I really fell in love with that. And I used to work in newspapers and journalism. And then I decided that was starting to be a fading space. And I wanted to explore how I could continue writing, doing some of the things I like to incorporate media into my other passion, which is travel and cruising. So I started my own website in the looptravel.com and the associated social media outlets. And it's been a sort of a slow build over the years, but it's been successful. And it's given me opportunity to travel to a lot of places. I've taken like 70 some cruises. I've been to six continents. And like you mentioned, Planet going to Antarctica with Disney now, Adventures by Disney. That was just about the last cruise I was able to be on before the pandemic sort of closed everything down. I was on Peninsula Liriel in the in Antarctica, and it was just an amazing experience. Expedition is, is, is a great space. I've been on all the other types of cruises as well, and I sort of love them all, and they, they offer something for everyone. And so, John, I know you also have some experience with Disney a little bit, as we were talking about the air before the show. Do you want to share with folks your experiences as well? 
Yeah, yeah. I have taken one cruise on Disney Dream, and that was in the Caribbean, maybe about five years ago. So I know they are adding more ships in the future. And But that was a great experience, a different thing. We don't have kids, but we still enjoyed ourselves as a couple on board. Went to Castaway Key, which is a fantastic private island, and ran the, the 5K that they run there, which is really fun. We're into fitness and stuff, so that was a great opportunity. And had some of the best meals and entertainment we've ever had on, on a ship here. Especially Remy, what a decadent like nine course meal and all the cheeses and desserts and everything else. So I have very fond memories of of, of Disney Cruise Line. Yeah, and you have to run the Castaway Key five k after eating at Remy. It's so much- <laughs> <laughs> although maybe not the morning after running. Right? They're eating at Remy. That's a little uh, yeah. rough. <laughs> a hangover run, if if anything. Yeah. <laughs> we wanted to have you on to talk expedition cruising. This is a, a really new topic for those in the Disney community, and it's we have some experience with river cruising through the Adventures by Disney product that Disney has. But Expedition Cruising is going to be brand new to the Disney portfolio in 2022. You want to help folks understand what do we mean or what what does Expedition Cruising mean or what is it it about? It's usually a smaller ship, a more intimate setting. It's going to have people who are really embrace being active, being outdoors, engaging with the environment, seeing creatures. So the destinations you go to, you, you're planning on getting into the outdoors or doing something maybe physically challenging or just maybe not so physically challenging, but you will go out and venture out onto like walks or hikes in mm-hmm. nature. And with the goal being to maybe you're a photo buff and you really had wanted to see that penguin colony with, like you will in Antarctica or or get out and do some kayaking in some fjords or, or secluded bays and Alaska or things like that. So you go to destinations that are really outdoor focused amid a smaller group and the packaging is more sort of inclusive. You're with expert guides and environmentalists and they'll talk about conservation and the wildlife and things like that. It's just, it's very rewarding. The food and the service comes along with it. So you've got a great home base on board your intimate small ship, but it's just equipped to go out in nature and really explore places that these large ships can't get. And you wouldn't want to go see them amid very large groups. Right. What what kind of size are we talking, John, in terms of number of folks on these ships? Well, I've been on some that are that have ranged from having like thirty people on board to just over like a hundred, hundred and forty. Panant, when they go down to Antarctica, for example, with Adventures by Disney, the regulations in Antarctica are that you cannot bring more than a hundred people ashore each day. So they they fill up their uh, ships with just a hundred passengers, and you might be on their ship, which would normally hold one hundred eighty four people. So you get a lot more space. You get smaller groups when you go ashore with your guides, and things like that. Wow, that's incredible. I mean, I think about you know, regular cruising and, you know, we're talking anywhere from, I don't know, two to 4,000 people on a ship on most of the major cruise lines. And I can't imagine a ship with only a hundred people. You you could conceivably get to know, you know, a large percentage of those folks through the course of your cruise. Yeah. And you absolutely do. And, and I've come back from these types of trips with lifelong friends that you keep in touch with, or you plan to maybe go on another trip like this again, or at the very least you're, you're engaging with them for years to come through Facebook and other and other means like that, sharing your photos and remembering experiences. And onboard is a very intimate, close relationship that you build over the course of a week or two weeks. We were in Antarctica for three weeks. So you do really get close to these people and get to know them. And it's, it's great because they're all really like-minded travelers. You all have a shared interest. So it's really easy to get, to, to get along and know you're going to enjoy the same type of things. 
What's the what's the demographic for expedition cruising? When I mean def- like, what are the ages or what's the age range that you tend to see on these cruises? Right. What we've generally seen is it's mostly uh, fifty plus, and will lean heavily toward the sixty to seventies type people on a luxury type expedition that you might have on a Penant ship like that. Because you, these people have like more means, they are retired, and they have more time to put into these types of trips where you got to really travel far and stay out there a long time to really make it worthwhile. Um, but we have seen a mix of people. On the Antarctica cruiser was one uh, set of siblings, was a, like a 12-year-old and a 14-year-old traveling with their parents who might have been up near 40 years old. And, but they mixed in fine. And you will rarely see children that age on these types of cruises but it's not un- unheard of. Well, and this to your point, this I feel like expedition cruises tend to be more of a luxury product. They they tend to skew to that end of the market. Am I getting that right, or is there really a big range? Uh, no, it's that's generally it would be that way. They have to include a lot of things, all at the upfront pricing and, and a lot of the logistics of like getting people there. And some of the places are more remote, and they would so they'll include overnight stays in hotels for the day before or, or pre-cruise packaging that you can add on. The onboard the service levels are top notch. The decor of the ships and everything like that is you know it's, it's it is it is a higher end, a higher price point to to do something like that. It would be interesting because Adventures by Disney is a luxury product, but I feel like they're trying to cater to that family audience. You want to go to China with your family. Here's a way to do it. Expedition cruising is interesting to me because that's just that's just a different experience. And is it targeted toward families or are they targeting the same market? that's traditionally served there or not. So Yeah, that'll be interesting to see. Uh, I wonder if they'll be sort of going for, I think they'll be going for a similar market as most of what ABD does, which is families, but families with older kids, not families with really young kids. So preteens, teenagers, my guess is you'll see on these cruises that Disney will end up doing, these expedition cruising, you'll see families similar to the family you had on on the Panat cruise you went on with a 14-year-old and a 12-year-old. Right. won't see a lot of seven and eight year olds. <laughs> exactly. Well, they, they have a limit, they say on their, I've been doing some research and talking to them ahead of speaking with you folks, just so I know exactly what I was talking about with their new program. And it's a 10 year old is the age limit on the lower end. But they really encourage that the kids at least be 12 or older. And it, they sort of worded it this way to me. It's, it's, it's on an individual family by family basis to know exactly what your kids at that age are going to enjoy. Mm-hmm. So look at their program, look at it very carefully before you want to take them on this and make sure that they might be the only kids on board. Do they interact well with adults? Um, are they very interested in having to sort of, sort of entertain themselves with, with nature and, and the things that they're going to see and do all day? They do have a specific program once per cruise where they have a theme night and they take the kids and they do karaoke night and they take them away from the adults so the adults can sort of have dinner on their own if those if there's a group of children on board. So they do have the guides ready to do that. But, but like you say, it's, it's they're not discouraging them from bringing kids that age on board, but you really want to know that they're going to enjoy themselves. Mm-hmm. Well, and usually the, we've heard consistently, the suggested age from Adventures by Disney is usually pretty spot on. So it's interesting to see minimum age of 10, suggested age of 12. I would really take to heart that 12 plus. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The river cruise that we're taking our son on in this upcoming December was, I think, eight plus was the suggested age. So yeah, this is this is definitely skewing toward an older crowd, which makes some sense, I think, because it's more active and they got to be interested in the subject matter. These cruises look right. like they're a little longer, actually, too, from what what we're used to seeing in terms of, you know, these aren't seven night cruises. These are 
12 days, 11 right, night right. vacations. But you're going to so, have the kids out of school. Like, yeah, I mean, it's interesting. You, the kids that we were on board with were, this was one stop in a, sort of a six month whirlwind journey around the world they were doing with their parents. So they were checked in with their school about how they can get school credit and write reports and, and stuff like that. But, you know, you, you kind of have to be a very disciplined kid to be able to be out of school and incorporate what you're learning back into your classwork. And there's mm-hmm. opportunities for that, which I think is exciting. And it's, it's a great way to learn some things about the world if you travel like that. Well, and to go back to the price points for a second, so I'm looking at the price points for the Antarctica and Patagonia expedition cruise, and it's twelve thousand plus dollars for a child, thirteen thousand plus for an adult. So just to put that in perspective, I think a family of three to four could probably sail comfortably on a seven night cruise in concierge class aboard the Disney Dream for the price of for, one for child one. on yeah. this expedition. So <laughs> you're gonna want to make sure your kid's gonna get something out of it, exactly. or else it's gonna be miserable. <laughs> John, what what else in terms of in, in terms of expedition cruising more generally, what should folks expect from let's start with maybe the onboard experience? You know, you've you said you sailed on the Disney Dream. So obviously they have nightly shows, multiple restaurants, right. activities, large shopping area, spa, fitness. Right. Origami lessons. <laughs> yeah. Pools, right? Like what's the onboard experience going to be like when you shrink down to this sort of more expedition Yeah, the, de- the destinations and the culture of where you go end up being the subject matter for the onboard entertainment. And the onboard entertainment is going to mainly consist of informational talks from your guides or things like that. Um, you might have a dinner and then after dinner, you might gather in a main room in a lounge. You might do a slideshow or videos or presentations, and they talk anything about the geology of the region, um, the flora, the fauna, the history, the culture, things like that. So it's it's not as whiz-bangy stuff. You have to really be into the educational aspect of where you are. So you'd be totally immersed in it from when you get up in the morning and do a morning excursion. You come back on board, maybe you have a lunch. You go in the afternoon, do an afternoon excursion ashore or paddling around the boat or wherever you might have it to be snorkeling. And then at night, you might have a talk after dinner about the same sort of things you've done or where you're going to go next and, and what you're going to see, things like that. That sounds really cool. So do the, some of these talks, I, I take it they might focus around some of the animals like that you might see, like penguins and exactly. the like. Exactly, yes. Yeah. Yep. Yep. We had some ex- experts on board in Antarctica, and one was very um, interested in the seabirds. So she focused on the seabirds. Another one was uh, talking about the geology and the rock formations and things like that. So everyone has maybe a level of expertise, and they put together like nice presentations on that. And another person might be interested in like the station, the scientific stations in Antarctica and, and talk about how he spent time there and, and what that's like and things like that. What, what about other sort of onboard amenities? What should folks expect? Maybe why don't we say dining? What's dining like on board these ships? Dining, um, you're going to have on the ship for, for ABD, you're going to use the Lilirial, the Laborial ships, and they are going to have two restaurants One's more like a large main dining room, and that's on deck two. And on deck six, they have an indoor-outdoor dining room space, which is a buffet, or they'll have the grill going out outside for uh, barbecue lunches sometimes. But it's more like buffet style. The servers are, are, are taking care of you. It's gourmet food. You sit. It's all open seating. You know, you, you make mm. new friends that way. Typical to a larger cruise ship as well, but you you sort of can pick what you're sort of feeling that day. Like, oh, I don't really want to do a long sit-down dinner in the main dining room. I'm going to go upstairs to the buffet area. And you're going to get equally good food and service either way. 
Nice. Is that typical in on these expedition cruising in general? Is that the that there's you know a buffet option and a sit down option, or are there uh, it differences? It depends on the ship. It depends on the ship and the size of the company. Like I go on on cruise adventures uh, quite a bit, which is experts in Alaska, but they also sail the Panama Canal. They do uh, Colombian Snake Rivers, up, up kind of where you guys are. They have one main dining room area. So everyone will sort of congregate in the, that one area, but you'd get, it's a little more austere setting on that ship, but mm-hmm. you get great food. You might go to dinner barefoot or something, you know, it's just a sort of that relaxed more type of attitude on board there. Yeah. Or you might go on a, a Seabourn has expedition ships and they would have more dining options. Silver Sea has more restaurants on board and it's going to be more of a more formal setting in many of those restaurants. Uh, Scenic Cruises has a very nice luxury ship and then you're going to get sort of a different feel from those types of ships but and more options. Those ships that are the more high-end luxury ones are also going to have like a spa services and a sauna, fitness centers, things like that even. What kind of destinations should we think about when we think about expedition cruising? We've talked about Antarctica, we've talked about Galapagos, obviously that's where ABD is going, but what are the, some of the other destinations you've seen, John, for expedition-style cruising? Yeah, yeah. Alaska is a big one. Places like Belize, even, coastal Washington, through the San Juan Islands and things like that. Oh, wow. I've done, I've done <laughs> one there. You know, so the, you're saying we could just like go really close to where we live and absolutely. get on one of these. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I was round trip. Yeah. Right out, right out into the Puget Sound uh, with Uncruise once out of there. Baja California area, Costa Rica. I mean, anywhere that a, a smaller ship might have set up certain itineraries, and you can get outdoors and do snorkeling. Hawaii, we did um, around Hawaii because there's so much hiking and snorkeling and on the water sort of things like that and history and culture that's interested and interesting part of those cruises even over in europe i mean there's there's just numerous places you can do expedition style and if you in norway and indonesia or even far far east yeah i'm curious john from your standpoint still talking more generally about expedition cruising when we talk to heidi you know she very much had the point of view that this will be a growth area for cruising. These smaller ships going forward, I tend to agree like river cruising is probably going to be pretty popular <laughs> for a right. while. It's growing in popularity already. What do you think based on your experience with expedition cruising? Is this kind of an area where folks might expect to see more coming out in the future? Well, it was already a huge growth market. All the ships are smaller, so the capacity just is, is a lot smaller than you could put out 10, 20 new expedition ships, and it's still not going to be as many people cruising as would on the newest, largest Carnival or Royal Caribbean ship. But they have been having a lot of new ship builds in this space because it's very profitable. We've been mentioning the, the ticket price on these ships. <laughs> so it's a great profit margin for these companies, and it's seems to be a lot of things that, that happen as people, maybe lifelong, they cruise on the bigger ships, want a, a change of pace. They have a more money as they retire or whatever. They work their careers and they say, I want to go see some places now. I want to do it this way in a more luxurious way with smaller groups. So I think that's why there's more ship builds happening in, in expedition. But But the point of the pandemic is very valid because it makes sense to me that with what we're going through now and trying to have social distancing or control over our groups, our travel bubbles, having 100 people on board that you can closely monitor and test and, and know what's going on or make sure are vaccinated, I guess, and, and things like that, at least for the immediate future, would seem to be the best opportunity to get back to cruising. 
as opposed to larger ships. Well, and to your point about even excursions and creating a travel bubble, right? You could, if you have these insulated groups going out to do an excursion all together, and they may only have, you know, a handful of guides, you can really control that contact tracing and the exposure. And a lot of these activities sound like they're outdoor. And so there's just a lower risks and, and, more easy to organize. The the outdoors and nature and fresh air is a big part of that. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. And if I think about actually looking at the Uncruz website right now, because what you mentioned about the Pacific Northwest was so interesting to me, John, and you know, they've got the banner up that says they're going to be unaffected by the Canadian cruise ban, which is true because they're under a hundred people on a passenger ship. And they're U.S. based. Uh, So they're not affected by the sort of Jones Act rule where you have to leave U.S. port, go to a foreign port before you return. Mm-hmm. That's a way to get back to cruising much faster than I think we will see with the large cruise line companies that I think there are some people who are questioning whether we'll even see large cruising this year. Right, right. And so so that's, that's also an interesting opportunity for those of those folks who've been really wanting to get back out there. It looks like these cruise lines are still sailing. Let's shift over to Ponant since you have some direct experience with them. So they're a French cruise line, as I understand it. Certainly, having looked at their website and what's being offered, they skew well towards the luxury end of of this area. What would you expect from level of service on board? We talked, you mentioned dining already, but level of service on board, staterooms, that that sort of thing, John. What, What would folks expect? Since you've been on the Disney Dream, maybe a little comparison between the two would be helpful. Oh, yeah. Well, it is it is all out luxury, so everything's included. So that's that's the big thing is once you get on board the Panon ship, you know, the people just sort of want to take care of you and things like that. You're going to have sort of a, a cabin steward who is going to be at your beck and call. If, if, if you're a person who might want to get a lot of room service or something, you're going to be pleased there. Just at every turn, there's just very, very pleasant staff and crew on board, which is not different than you would find on a Disney cruise line. It's just in a smaller scale. So that people really, as you work from public space to public space around the ship over the course of the first few days, everyone on board seems to already know you. So that might be a little different. You start to feel like this is really your home. Like I say, there's there's a fitness center on the ship. There's a spa. Then there's massage uh, services and treatments that you you would pay extra for on on the ship. But that's available to mix into your vacation if that's something you like to do. There's a outdoor pool which. It's heated. It's enjoyable. I was sitting in the aft pool while looking at the snow everywhere around me in Antarctica. So it was kind of it was That's a sunny cool. it was a sunny day. We had been out on an excursion, so I was like, "Yeah, this might be fun to do." It just is a beautiful setting. We we're only able to do it once. It started to get a little cooler and overcast at times, but I took advantage of the the one opportunity we had to do that. So just more of a laid back environment on the ships, because if you're not out ashore, you sort of do have to like figure out ways to just relax or or find things to do. A lot of people take an afternoon nap after lunch, whereas Mm -hmm. on board the the Disney cruise ships or other larger ships, you you know, you got a full menu of different things that are going (laughs) on around the ship all the time. You're never going to be bored, but the Penance ship's going to be a little more laid back and you're sort of on your own if you're not immediately engaged in an excursion with your guides. Quick question about the all-inclusive nature. Does that include alcohol? Yes. Wow. That's kind of amazing. Airport transfers and, you know, all sorts of things like that. Wow. You know, for an ABD style cruise, Sam is pretty typical. The stay the night before in a hotel, which is included with the ABD adventures here is atypical, I'd say. They they will offer it as an add-on with an ABD package, but it's not usually included for the river cruises. 
But here I can totally understand it because for the Antarctic cruise, for instance, you have to fly into Buenos Aires and then transfer. Yeah. Do they have, I think they have a two night free stay in Buenos Aires or something like that before you even get to the ship on these. Yeah. It's included in the package as opposed to the river cruise we're doing in December, for instance, we fly into Munich, but where we stay the night before is on us. We just have to get to the transfer to then get to the the ship. right? Right. So yeah, it's, it's interesting. So, and if you're paying that kind of money, you, you, I assume you don't want to get nickel and dime later. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's good to hear. What are the staterooms like on board, John, uh, these kinds of ships? They all have balconies, so you're, you, in which I think is, is very necessary if you're in Antarctica. You want to be engaged with outdoors and pop up and open the, your door and see where you are the next morning and start noticing you're getting closer and closer to the destination as you see those sort of ice flows going by outside or you look into the distance and see the snow cap peaks and things like that, or maybe a bunch of seals or some penguins starting to swim next to you as you're you're cruising along. But otherwise, the amenities are nice. You get the uh, in-room minibar, you get service. The setup is is just like you'd you'd see in a river ship or um, smaller cruise ship, really, where you have your, you know, your nice bathroom amenities and comfy bed, TV on on the wall, and maybe a little space off to the side for a little sitting area. I want to talk about excursions a little bit. Go for it. Take take it. <laughs> All right. So it's it sounds like these excursions are often quite active. Can you give us some examples or the range, right? Like if the folks on these cruises really skew 50 and older, I'm imagining that most of these folks are a fit group of 50 and older. Is that right? And and can you tell us a little bit about the range of excursions that they yeah. have? Yeah. Yeah. Most, most people we have found have been of any age group, probably be among the fitter people we'd ever seen for people 50 or 60 or 70 years old. People we've encountered is usually not on their first excursion or on their first expedition cruise. They're more like veterans of this style of cruising. <laughs> um, and they back home, they might try to stay in shape or you'll see them in the gym on board and things like that. But it's, it's not to be uh, intimidating to say all that is uh, because the excursions are set up for a range of physical abilities. Like they'll make sure any people can get into the zodiacs. A lot of the stuff requires just walking, and you can choose to do extra stuff while you're out on the on the destination. Or you might go into a group and, and do it by group, saying we're going to have a, a slower walking group, we're going to have a, a hard charger type group, we're going to do, and in this hard charger group, we're going to add on a few more miles and go up to this peak. If mm-hmm. you want to join us for that, if you don't feel like you can, we have this group was going to go and see a lot of the same things, but maybe not do that extra hike. When I was on Ponant last year in Antarctica, I was traveling with the outfitter that had chartered the ship was Abercrombie and Kent. And they are a luxury travel group that's mostly known for the history they started with African safaris, but now they've expanded into cruising. Most of the people on board were older and it wasn't that active a cruise by my standards. We just did a lot of walking around on the islands or on shore to see the penguins. What I'm excited for Adventure by Disney is they are going to actually take the kayaks out and add more options for things like that. So cool. Yeah, it all depends on what your physical abilities are. They will also sort of custom craft things so people do not feel left out when they go and choose to do these things. Mm -hmm. Now, the excursions are then all included as well, I take it. Yes. Do you have to choose in advance of the cruise when you book the cruise, like which excursions you want? Or is there an opportunity while you're on the ship to find out about what the different options are and choose, you know, let's say the day right. before. So how does that work? Um, 
I'm not sure what ABD is going to do, but from what I've always seen on the ones I've been on, is you don't have to pick ahead of time. You do sort of get there. You uh, hear from the guides that are going to really explain in detail how the next day is going to go. And then mm-hmm. you decide which group you want to join, which which kind of activities you would prefer to do. Maybe mm-hmm. you've been on three straight days of hiking and you're like, this time I'm going to go out on the paddleboard or I'm going to go out in the Zodiac tour instead, or I'm going to try to do some kayaking today. So you'd always be able to get the feel of for what the destination is, what, what they're telling you you're going to go see if you do this versus what you're going to see if you you do a hike or something. So to answer your question, you don't have to sign up ahead of time. I haven't seen that ever happen. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see what ABD does, because just depending upon the numbers and limits, and I think with river cruising that they do, it sounds like you you do pick some stuff in advance, but that you're allowed to shift. Right. That would make sense. That way they get a general idea ahead of time how many people might want to be doing these certain things so they can assign their guides and be ready for that. Mm hmm. But, but have some flexibility as well if people, right. you know, find out. Because I think to your point, it's hard to know exactly what the conditions are going to be that day or what exactly you're going to see in a, reading a description like we all do when we're on a large cruise ship. You have to read a description in advance and make a decision. And sometimes that excursion doesn't turn out to be exactly as right. described. Right. And then you decide you want to change your mind and all the other ones are closed out already. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. And that's, <laughs> and, and that's on a large, I think, cruise ship, people are willing to deal with that a little bit more because um, of the price point. But I think on these luxury, all-inclusive experiences, I think people tend to you know, expect more flexibility yes, and more choice. Yes, definitely will be more demanding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you said it, not me. That's exactly, <laughs> no, I didn't say it in that way, but that's exactly what I was, that's exactly what I was saying. Yeah. <laughs> Disney cruisers are anything but demanding, right? Yeah, well, <laughs> fair <laughs> point. <laughs> And I think when we had Erin on and she was talking about river cruising with ABD, she did mention, Sam, right, when you get on, there's, I don't know if it's the first night, they do kind of a presentation of all of the shore excursions and what to expect, even if you've pre-booked them. And that was also your opportunity to start trading, right? Say, I, I don't want that one. I want that one. And so she said there was a moment where you could say, nope, I'm switching now. And she had never really heard of someone not being able to switch. If I Yeah. Remember. Well, and I think it was even you could switch even maybe the day before if there was room. For example, I think to John's point, if you've been on, you know, hikes three days in a row, maybe your legs are really sore and you just can't do another day of hiking. Right. So John, since you've been on Penant for one of these Antarctic cruises, can you walk us through that experience end to end for a second? Well, yeah, we we uh, arrived in Buenos Aires a couple days ahead of time, right before New Year's. Spent a few days exploring on the program there with uh, Abercrombie and Kent, and had a nice New Year's Eve dinner. Then 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 we flew down to Ushuaia, and then you get on the ship. And you just sort of do a check in and have a lunch at a lodge, and then they you meet your guides, and then you get transferred to the ship, get on the ship at the dock, get into your rooms. You know, everyone gets checked in on board and eventually have a nice sail away out out of the harbor. And then it's about three days before you start reaching the outer fringes of Antarctica. On our program, we spent, let's see, about seven, six, six, seven days in Antarctica. And then we went over to South Georgia and then saw more penguins and that's where the big that's where the big penguin colonies are the real nice colorful ones and every day we would have a morning excursion and an afternoon excursion with lunch on board in between 
And people would go to the bar after dinner or hang out. There'd be dancing. There's live music, a couple musicians on board. Uh, throughout the day when we're sailing, there's a whole program of talks in the main theater, enrichment talks and learning about history of the region and the birds, like I said, and things like that. We were down there for all told uh, three weeks for the entire trip. Wow. You, end up, you end up back in Ushuaia. Uh, you have a night there. We went ashore, had some had some dinner. We're able to explore that town a little bit, and then uh, you fly back to Buenos Aires and fly home. That's a very obviously quick <laughs> encapsulation of the overall itinerary. But each day is just like filled with like new exploration of looking at the ice or the seals or the penguins or the seabirds and walking around in the lush grasslands and things like that. You really want to be at least get up to speed on your photography skills a little bit mm-hmm. when you're down there. Although yeah. you can get some amazing up close uh, photos with just your your smartphone, which is incredible. That's awesome. Yeah. Are these days quite long? I imagine if you have two excursions in one day, I, I, I'm just thinking, yeah, how does say, that work? They sound like a lot getting crammed in there, but you go ashore and you spend about an hour and a half to two hours at the most at a time. But these are sort of like a stop at a, a shoreline or an island. And then you would explore the colonies that are there of the sea lions, the seals, and the uh, penguins. And you're you're wrapped up with it under two hours. You get back on board and you have some time and then you have lunch. And so the days are as long as you want them to be. You could stay up after dinner and, and mingle with your fellow cruisers, uh, do some dancing, or maybe there's a, some trivia contests or thing like that. Well, a lot of people would head back to their room and the cabin doors would be shut by 730 and they'd be <laughs> zonked out getting ready for the next day because you get up early and you get going. And so it sounds like a lot of this then is also kind of choose your own adventure once you're back on board. There's more activity you can potentially do like kayaking and things like that off the ship? Well, or is yeah, that all? I, I, yeah. I, I, we didn't have that on our Panant trip to Antarctica, but I that's how it was on many of my other expedition cruises, like with Uncruise. Uh, you might come back on board and jump off the back dock and go swimming or, or you know, things like that. Get out on the stand-up paddle boards or go kayaking or things like that. Maybe they'll throw in an extra little snorkel run or a Zodiac tour. So those would be more like, sort of free time in your mm-hmm. environment where you are to do something other than the main organized excursions. Yeah, on the Panant ship, Lilirio, you might take an afternoon while you're cruising to your next spot and say, oh, I got time to book a, a, a massage or something like that. Or, you know, like a lot of times I definitely am a big advocate of an afternoon nap to get refreshed for the next adventure or go to the gym or something like that. So it is sort of self-directed when you're on board in Antarctica in a lot of these destinations, as opposed to a strict schedule. I can't tell, Sam, would this be your nightmare of cruising? (laughs) (laughs) You love the activity on board, right? And so I'm curious, as you're hearing this, what's your reaction to the notion of expedition cruising? I will say I'm very much intrigued, but I feel like I'm intrigued for like when we're empty nesters. (laughs) I, I have a feeling that this is something because Brian and I are are active. I wouldn't say we are. We're certainly not daredevil active people. So right. we don't we don't do any kind of. Um, you went down the you went down the world's steepest zip line. Sam, I did. So okay, I did. I no, we. I, 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 and I, and we did canopy zip lining and St. Kitts, um, in the Caribbean as well. Um, so no, I would say we, you know, we enjoy some active type excursions, but I also really love the amenities of a, of a large.
large cruise ship. I think I would do this though. I, I really would. I just don't think it's for us right now. I mean, we have a seven-year-old. So not only would he not be eligible to go on these cruises for another three years, but I'm also not sure that even when he's like 10, that he would enjoy them. I just don't know, right? I think, you know, it, I guess it's possible when he's a preteen or a teenager that this might be a good option, but I, I also don't know if he's going to be an active, he's an active kid right now. I don't know if he's going to be a kid who likes hiking or, 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 you know, kayaking and some of these types of excursions. I love snorkeling. So I'm all about that. I could see, like I said, Brian and I doing this, but still probably a ways out. Although I will say the ABD version of this, of expedition cruising, I'm guessing would be more attractive to us earlier than the non-ABD version. Because I know that ABD, uh, obviously we're going on a river cruise. Well, crossing my fingers that we're going on a river cruise in December of 2021. And I'm not sure we would have gone on a river cruise on a different line because they don't cater to families in the way that ABD is go, right. you know, does. So I think that's the difference is finding that balance between having this sort of luxury small ship experience and also for, for folks like us in our 40s with younger children catering to that, those needs as well. So yeah, you, you're needing more activities that will engage the young one as well. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, we have to entertain him or the iPad <laughs> entertain him. And I'm not saying that's necessarily a bad thing. I mean, we use that as a tool a lot in our normal lives. Um, but I, I, on vacation, I, you know, I, I like traveling on a cruise line like Disney that has a lot of activities that can engage him as well. And so it makes my vacation better. Right. Yeah. I being active part of, of what I was talking about isn't that physically challenging. It's just a way to get out into the outdoors mm -hmm. and, to, and to, you know, to get ashore and to be among this amazing wildlife. So I wouldn't let it intimidate you. You don't have to be super physically fit or anything. But you could, a lot of the young cruise stuff I did, mm -hmm. you could choose to really push yourself because they offer options for going ashore. Like you can really add on extra mileage and go to a, do a different sort of day than most people might want to. So it's all, it's all depend. What's cool about ABD going to these particular two destinations, cruise is really the only way you're going to get to go do these things. Mm -hmm. I mean, you kind of have to definitely for Antarctica, you have to go around on a cruise ship. And, and it's a bucket list for a lot of people because they want to mark off that seventh continent or whatever. And, and the Galapagos, of course, is legendary, speaks for itself with all the, the marine life and everything around there. So it's just, I imagine it's an incredible experience. I haven't been to Galapagos yet. Unfortunately, I had a trip planned this past year that got canceled along with a lot of things like everyone's suffered. But yeah, yeah. No, that I, I, I think that's a good point, though, you're making about the, the activity level, because, you know, Brian and I both, you know, run, although we haven't been running too much lately, but we we are decently fit people. But like I said, we're not super adventurous in our in our outdoor activities. But I could see going on hike, you know, as an excursion, but I probably would choose the milder or the slightly moderate hike. I would certainly not choose anything that looks like rock climbing. Right. <laughs> so, but, I, you know, knowing that there's a range of options would entice me more than something where you really had to be a significant a athlete. 
Right. Sam, I can't imagine you on a cruise without trivia. I just can't. <laughs> <laughs> well, he, he's, John said there's some trivia at night. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> there might not be towel folding or origami <laughs> folding, but I can I can live with with a little trivia. But, you know, to the other point is you're so busy during the day doing these excursions, um, you're probably exhausted by the end of dinner right. and wanting to go back to sleep because you're not laying by the pool or or laying on a beach. You know, it sounds like for, well, at least not for expedition cruising. It's not, no, it's not no. laying on a beach like you would do in, you know, St. Martin. Yeah, it's it's interesting because as I think about this, there's as I hear more, it feels like there's actually two kinds of end of the spectrum of this expedition style cruising. There's the luxury end going to some fairly far-flung, hard-to-reach destinations, but for being on a ship, right? That's what ABD appears to be doing. And then it's interesting to me, this whole arena of what I would call American river cruising or American coastal cruising, which I don't know that Sam and I have had a lot of background experience or knowledge around. And looking at that, that feels a little bit more accessible, frankly, maybe not for families, maybe not for you know bringing your seven-year-old along, but certainly the price point seems to be much lower on a lot of those ships. John, I know you've taken some cruises on Uncruise in the United States. How would those compare to your experience on board one of these more far-flung expedition cruises? Yeah, they are. They are very much. They're fun is what it is. A lot of fun. They're less formal, which I like. You get to know your fellow cruisers pretty quickly. You're all out in the wild together. There's It's older equipment. The ships are older, but they're very functional and they get where they go. And your cabin's not that luxurious. Maybe your bed's not as comfortable as it is at home. But you feel <laughs> like, but you do feel like you're on an adventure and you could take your mind to a point where you could see where these old crusty seafaring people, you know, who helped build this country or, or traveled around the world on on boats and ships uh, sort of come from. I like it a lot because you can be very flexible with your day. You can mention, you can go visit the captain and you can talk to him about what he's doing in, in, on the bridge. And uh, you could ask your guide to do something specific because you and you would really like to do this thing you heard about in this place you're going to. And they'll, they'll sort of on the fly kind of help you make it happen. But like you say, it's a, it's a, it is a lot more affordable maybe than the high-end luxury things, but not any less enjoyable or active mm-hmm. or adventurous, I don't think. And it's a really great way to really immerse yourself within a destination if, if you sort of can be more subtle when you arrive in a small ship and just sort of ingrain yourself in a community, a coastal community that you arrive to. You're not pouring off a ship with thousands of people, <laughs> you know, it just is, has less impact on their environment. And, you know, the word authentics used a lot, but it, whatever, it's it's like more of a, a real peek at what these places are like, because they're not changed so much by the cruising industry, mm-hmm. just by, by you visiting there in the smaller ship. Right. You don't have tourists stamped on your forehead right. when you get off a ship with 100 people like you, like you do when you get off in Skagway, Alaska on a, on a large cruise ship. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. John, maybe the last question for you here is just who is this for and who is it not for? I would say this type of cruising, expedition cruising, is is for people who are really curious about the places they go to. They're more destination driven than onboard activity driven. You do have to have a, a bit of a higher income level or you have to really have saved and made this a target or a goal. So the people that go 
on these types of adventures really um, have a specific type of vacation that they want to have. Whereas a lot of people are very happy to just get away from the winter conditions and go to the Caribbean anywhere where it's sunny. These Mm -hmm. people are very specific in their destinations, why they want to be there, what they want to do, what they want to learn, what they want to see. So, you know, if people just aren't there yet, maybe this would be a little bit too pricey for them. They couldn't see spending the money. There's not enough going on on board. They would rather have more of an exciting sort of vacation to meet other people and want to do dancing and partying and drinking, that type of thing. (laughs) <laughs> you know, we all go through phases of life. So maybe this is for when you get a little older and more mature as opposed to younger. But like I said earlier, it could, it could fit anyone who is intellectually curious or really is destination focused. Sounds like it's um, a great way of, I mean, when you're, you're when you're a young person and you decide to go, you know, backpacking through Europe, right? You have to sort of be curious and independent and, and all of these things. So you have to do a lot of planning. Sounds like you, you have to have a similar mindset for this type of cruising, but perhaps you don't have to do the planning part. <laughs> right. You get all of the good benefits of being a wild spirit, but you can let a lot of the planning be done by someone else. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly, yeah. Well, that's what, and that's what Erin said about her adventures by Disney to China, right? It's really hard to plan a trip to Asia in some ways with language barrier, not understanding the culture, like less familiarity with some of uh, the hotel options, how you get around, all that sort of stuff. Outsource it to adventures by Disney, you pay a premium, but when you show up, everything's going to be great. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Big, big, John, the other question I guess buried in there that was big best tip or um, what's your, what's your tip for someone looking at this kind of cruising? Um, I would say definitely do your research. I I could always point to sort of outlets like myself or, or you guys or go to the experts who know about it before you commit to tell you what it's really going to be like. A travel, mm-hmm. a travel agent is going to be invaluable too. If, if you're going to spend this amount of money, you really want to have it well-researched, know all sides of what you're going to get and really make an informed decision about mm-hmm. it. So that would be probably the top tip I would give about about that. Otherwise, you know, generally about going to the destination is just sort of like get excited, have an open mind and be ready to like experience things that you're definitely not going to experience at home. This is an opportunity to do some things you've always wanted to do or so take advantage of that time there. Mm-hmm. Plan really well. Like I said, get brush up on your photography if you want to. You, you bring some great photos back and things like mm-hmm. that. Be willing to be outgoing, meet other people. You're going to have a lot of other people in the same situation as you are. Um, and you're going to, you're probably going to make some great friends and, and make some great memories. So go into this with an open mind. Awesome. Would you recommend going to a travel agent who sort of specializes in this type of travel? Because my guess is your standard travel agent might know about maybe one of these expedition cruising lines, but might but probably doesn't have the kind of range of experience like you do with knowing a lot of different options in this space and gearing you towards one that might be the better one for you know a particular person. Yeah, it's, I guess it's hard to know exactly how expert the travel agent is, but then you'd have that travel agents too, or interview several of them and get a feel. But yeah, some specialize in expedition or luxury. So you're going to have to maybe get a recommendation from a friend or try to try to find your way to that person who can really help set up a great trip for you and really knows what they're talking about. 
But yeah, you want to go to the experts, whether they are someone who has traveled before on this type of cruise or someone who like is a travel agent who probably also has at least been on these types of cruises because they're going to sell them. They're going to have to know about them. It's kind of a mix of where to find your experts, but you want to talk to people instead of just reading a brochure. You want to get someone's real story about what it was like. Well, and on that note, I would plug your blog in the loop travel blog, since you are, you're really an expert in this space. And so, you know, folks have more specific information that they want to do a deep dive, check out in the loop travel blog for more info. I do have some good stuff. I got a YouTube channel as well, and I've got some videos and I've got some stories on in the loop travel.com and in the loop travel on YouTube and can show you exactly the ship I was on Valeriel, which you might be cruising on, which your listeners might be looking at when they look at their adventures by Disney going down to Antarctica. Awesome. Well, I think we've reached that point in the show, Sam, where we should throw it over to you for... So take it away, Sam. Take it away. All right, John, this is my favorite part of the show, which is where we're just going to ask you your favorites. And we call this rapid fire because it's quick off the top of your head. The only rule of rapid fire is there are no rules of rapid fire. Okay. Okay. (laughs) I was getting a little nervous. I I feel like I'm on the spot. (laughs) You are on the spot, but there's no wrong answers. So the first question is, what is your favorite small ship cruise line? Uncruise Adventures. Awesome. What is your favorite river cruise line? Uh, Ama Waterways. That's who who Disney Disney uses. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's who we're supposed to go on. Uh, What is your favorite ocean cruise line? Hmm. I think it is Viking Ocean Cruises. Such amazing things about Viking. Yeah, it's it's incredible. (laughs) What is your favorite ship? Ship. Been on so many of them. Um, I will say Scenic Eclipse. Ooh. Which which line is that with? That's Scenic Cruises. Wait, it, it, to put this in context, John, for folks, I, that's a I don't luxury know that uh, expedition ship, and it's uh, just over just over a year old. You know, I think we forgot to ask you up front, John, to put these answers in context. I think before the show, you mentioned to Sam that you've been on nearly every cruise line at some point. All the major cruise lines, and then you know, there's there's some I haven't been on, but I've been on quite a few. I'm fortunate that way. Yeah. And how many cruises have you been on, would you estimate? Uh, 70, about 70. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. Your your favorite itinerary that you've been on? I'm not going to talk about Antarctica anymore, although that would be a contender. I'm going <laughs> to say uh, my Norwegian cruise with Viking Ocean Cruises. Ooh. We did a Northern Lights uh, through Norway. Uh, that sounds amazing. Yeah. Yeah. We've heard amazing things about Norway. We've heard amazing things about Yeah, Norway. about the fjords. Your favorite port. My favorite port, Havana, Cuba. Ooh, cool. How did you end up there, John? A couple of years back on Norwegian Cruise Line. Nice. On Norwegian Sky, they went there. Um, I guess we had a little small window of opportunity when we, when we got in there before it shut down again. But that was uh, quite an amazing port to, to pull in there. Yeah. What did you like about Cuba? I like the, the interesting history. Um, the people were also friendly and curious about us being there and, and things like that. It was just, uh, we were there for only two two days. It just was very memorable just to just to have the opportunity to go to a place that's sort of been taboo for Americans for so long. It had a great energy, a great vibe, and it's, it's encouraging and, and hopeful to see the people starting to democratize some things in their economy and things like that. All right. Next question. Your favorite excursion. 
a memorable excursion was going to Angkor Wat in oh, Cambodia wow. and seeing the old temples there and, and temples in the jungle and things like that around Cambodia. That was on an Avalon Waterways cruise on the Mekong River. All right. This is a, a, going to be a, a tough question. So Brian and I are foodies, and we obviously have discerned from chatting with you that you are as well. Favorite onboard dining? My favorite meal was at Remy on Disney Dream. Woohoo! Yeah. The, the cover charge seemed steep at the time for the restaurant, but it was worth every penny and more because five years later, I'm still raving about that, that meal. It was... I wish I had gone a little lighter on breakfast and lunch that day. <laughs> but yeah, I, it was way more than I expected. I'm not generally someone who's going to gravitate toward like French cuisine, but it, it was just so good and so varied that it was very satisfying even for someone who might be a little picky about not liking certain things like escargot or things like that. It was just so much there. It went on and on and on. And I thought we were done. And then they brought out the cheese cart. <laughs> you know, I, I have to say I'm kind of, I mean, Brian and I love Remy and we like fine dining in general, but I am kind of surprised that there is, that there wasn't a meal on like Viking or one of these other luxury lines that actually beat out Remy. So that's pretty impressive. And I think that I will say, I think that speaks to the, the level of service and food at Remy being, you know, at the top of the top. And I, I think it compares with Michelin star yeah, restaurants on definitely. land. Okay. Last question in rapid fire, which is bucket list cruise. Yeah, I want to take the expedition cruise to the Galapagos Island that I missed. Yeah. Yeah. What 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 interests you about it the most, John, going to the Galapagos? I've, um, I've been ever since I was a kid, I've seen the cruises to the Galapagos being offered and I've always it, it seems interesting, but what interests you? Yeah. It's just got this aura of of you see a lot of photography that comes back from there and it just looks incredible how close you can get to the animals and how pristine everything is and i i love snorkeling i love being out in the wild i you know it just seems very fascinating to me that you can see such a wide array of creatures all in one spot and i've never heard anyone who's gone there and sort of been disappointed at all so yeah i would love to do that i think that that it's funny because i've been you know i haven't been thinking about that as far as a bucket list but after talking about it i'm like yeah that's got to be on the bucket list for sure well, John, it's been really fabulous talking to you about these expedition cruises this evening and certainly has piqued my interest more in the ABD offering. Um, and so I really appreciate you coming on. I know you mentioned a little bit earlier on the show where folks can find you, but I want to give you the opportunity if you want to just remind folks how they can connect with you and your YouTube channel, your blog. Where, where can folks find you if they want to learn more and hear more from you? Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me. This is a great opportunity. I'm at uh, inthelooptravel.com is my website. And if you search in the loop travel on YouTube, you're going to find all my travel videos and reviews and ship tours and things like that. Nice. What do you have planned next, Sean? I mean, once COVID is yeah, resolved and we got, can travel again. We've got something on the books that we hold, hold, we hope holds up sort of like you do for December. Uh, it's coming up in July. We are trying to be sailing with uh, Windstar in Tahiti. So, oh, wow. you know, that's going to come up quicker than we know it so we just hope it, it can hold or and we don't have to put it off again but we got that coming up awesome nice. well we will keep our fingers crossed for you john and thank you again for coming on the show it's just been a blast of course 
it was a lot of fun having John on the show this evening to talk about expedition cruising, the next big thing for adventures by Disney to the Galapagos and Antarctica. So John obviously has more experience on the Antarctic side. It was really cool to hear him talk about his experiences with Panant Cruising, which is the cruise line that ABD is going to be partnering with to offer these expedition cruises. They sound like once in a lifetime kind of opportunities. And these are far flung places that you can only get to through expedition cruising. So if you're interested in this or your family is, it sounds like this ABD offering is going to be right up your alley. So I hope you enjoyed tonight's episode. Head over to John's blog to learn more. Head over to his YouTube channel to see ship tours of the Panant cruise ship that you'd be on if you took this ABD tour. It, it looks fabulous and amazing. So really excited to have had John on. Hope you enjoyed this show. With that, we don't have any new Apple podcast reviews this week. So please, please, please head over, leave us those five-star written reviews. They are really, really helpful. Do you want to thank each and every one of you out there for listening this week? Please remember to subscribe to the podcast so you can keep getting great content from the DCL Duo each week. Please also head over, leave us those reviews. They help us surface our show to people who might be looking for a Disney Cruise Line related podcast like ours. If you'd like to send us a question or be a guest on the show, please email us at dclduo at gmail.com or reach out to us on social media at dclduo. You can also head over to the DCL Duo channel on YouTube for even more great content. Or you can join our DCL Duo vlog and podcast Facebook group over at Facebook if you want to join in a fun conversation with like-minded DCL Duo fans and cruisers like you. The DCL Duo podcast and vlog are not affiliated with Disney Cruise Line, the Walt Disney Company, or the Walt Disney Family of Theme Parks. The views expressed on the show are solely those of the individuals on the podcast and in no way reflect the views of the Walt Disney Company or Disney Cruise Line. If you have questions about a Disney cruise or a Walt Disney vacation, please contact Disney directly or your own travel agent. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time for another fabulous Disney adventure with the DCL Duo. Good night. Good night.